0: Live from the offices of police background.net. This is, this is the Police Applicant Podcast,
1: Podcast.
2: With your host, Ken Royball. Hey, welcome everybody to another episode of the Police Applicant Podcast This is episode 65 65 In the can, and I'm happy about that um, I want to welcome uh, the person who's spearheading this episode today, Donovan, my co-host. Thank you. And I'm actually Donovan's co-host today. This is exciting, <laughs>
0: Donovan. Donovan. <laughs> this is, this is. Yeah. yeah.
2: We got some good stuff. We got some good stuff coming up. We got some announcements uh, right now. I just want to mention that we are almost at 134,000 downloads wow. on the podcast. That's pretty good for a little niche podcast. That we have. Um I don't know about Apple Podcasts, but we have uh eleven 1, hundred and thirty-one Spotify followers. That's pretty cool. I don't know if that's subscribers or followers. But um yeah, that's pretty neat. So yeah. I just want to mention something exciting that's coming up. Donovan and Minerva and I are working on something really cool. Well, it's going to go live with this episode as we are going to uh, have some of our content subscriber-based. <clears throat> excuse me. Um, for only $4.99 per month, you can get extra content. We're working on some content. But this episode will be the very first early release uh, subscriber content. So if I can get it done... It'll be, it should be released hopefully on Monday and then the official release will be Friday. <clears throat> so people um, who subscribe will get early releases for the podcast. Donovan's working on his show for the subscriber content, uh, Pursuing the Badge. Is that what we said you were going to do? In, per-
0: in Pursuit of the Badge.
2: In Pursuit of the Badge. I'm. You know what? Yes. I, had a, I had a title. I had a title, Donovan, but I'm still working on it. So... <sighs> I gave you my ideas. I gave you my ideas. Donovan gave you me like me out. 10 ideas. I'm going, ah. But um, and then uh Minerva is not here because she's gallivanting around the globe somewhere. I don't know where she's at, but she's uh mm-hmm. she's uh somewhere in the world. And so uh we've got that subscriber content coming up where you're gonna have extra stuff. And um also if you want to make a one-time donation or a uh be a monthly subscriber you can do that on, uh, on the, through the links in the show notes. So, uh, with that, I'm going to go ahead and turn this over
0: to Donovan. Awesome, man. I never been in control. So this is, this is something new. So, uh, we want to go ahead and, um, thank Gilbert for being with us today. Um, really appreciate that. Gilbert is from a Southern California school police department. So welcome Gilbert.
1: Thank you, thank you.
0: So, so this is uh this is gonna be interesting. I'm am I'm an old SRO, so uh, I have a little bit of idea of what the school police departments do, but I'm I'm excited about this. So, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? You know, kind of where you grew up and 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 how you got into police work or how you decided to get into police work.
1: All right. So I grew up in the uh, San Gabriel Valley, and I remember one day being sick from school. And it was a TV show called The First 48. I'm pretty sure you guys have heard of it, right? Mm -hmm. The Mm -hmm. Homicide Show. Mm -hmm. Yep. And Mm -hmm. I was watching the detectives conduct their investigation. And I ran to the kitchen so fast to go get my mom. (laughs) And I told her, I said, this is what I (laughs) want to do. So I looked at the process of LAPD's uh, hiring process. This was when I was about maybe... 13, 14 years old. And then from there, it's always been a dream. I got into sales. And then right around 2017, 2018, I started submitting my applications. So that's how I began.
0: All right. All right. When you were in uh, high school or anything, did you do any uh, explorers program or anything like that?
1: i actually didn't know that that was available okay <laughs> if if, right. if i would have known i would have done it
0: <laughs> yeah yeah oh that's good so sounds like growing up you kind of knew that yeah you wanted to be a police officer did you have any contact with police maybe a school resource officer or something that might have uh impacted things for you
1: In know a, in, a, in some ways um Some of the guys, the police officers used to walk around the campus and just kind of just talk to us about what they got going on, how they got it started into their careers. Um, What really made it for me was one of my family members was working uh, for L.A. County Sheriff's. And he's the one that pretty much told me like, hey, this job, you know, is very rewarding, but it's not for everyone. But you should you should try it. Right. I got it. Oh, good. I got a question. So a school, uh,
2: SRO is a school resource officer. And Donovan, you are an SRO. And mm-hmm. Gilbert, you are an actual school police department officer. So Correct. is there a difference between the two?
1: So the way it works with our agency currently, uh, we have... SROs that are contracted out to the neighboring city agencies, because we're such a small department that's rebuilding again. Um, So they contract them out to the neighboring city agencies, while we patrol the entire district and our district is very large. We have about 28 school campuses, elementary, middle school, and then uh, administrative buildings as well. And then the high schools, we have about four high schools.
0: Okay. So, so how have, does that look then? Do you have like an officer assigned to each school or
1: officers just on
0: patrol between
1: campuses? Just on patrol while the contracted cities are at the high schools.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: So that's where right. we are. So we're out on the, on the outskirts of all the school zones and patrolling and forcing traffic laws to the parents that are rushing. <laughs> oh Yeah.
0: You you get that, that uh, fantastic duty. I remember doing that. That's always mm-hmm. fun working those school zones, right? Yeah. I, I got to ask you this, though. You talk about the school zone. What's the best excuse you got from a parent?
1: Oh, I know that uh, I can't park here, but, you know, my child is five years old and I don't want them to walk. And it's like, OK, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's one of them mm-hmm. or. I've been coming here for so long and they don't do anything to widen these streets because they're so small. <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> those I've, uh, I I i do not remember why or where I was near a school when they were getting out, maybe to pick up my kids or something, but what a zoo when the, they, they make those, they make those little curve things, the little things to pick up the kids as small as possible. And then the cars go for miles, and if you just happen to be—I think I was in the neighborhood doing a background check at the time—and it was school getting out. and I'm going, "Oh my gosh, this is ridiculous!" The, and they're, 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 the the parents—they're evil. They just are. <laughs> golly, they get
1: <laughs> terrible. Yeah, so some so of I, them do do get <laughs> pretty pretty wordy, for the lack of better mm-hmm. terms. <laughs> But um, it's a good time.
0: <laughs> so the the other question I have is, what's the best excuse you got from a teacher you would stop in a school zone? Have you ever done that?
1: <laughs> I, I have, myself and my uh, other, uh, I'm still going through FTO training. Uh, uh-huh. Myself and my colleague, we actually went into one of the school parking lots and a couple of the teachers didn't have the handicap placard on there, so everyone gets a sight. Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs>
1: that was uh, also a great time uh, where <laughs> our administrator for our department had to go and tell the teachers, "Hey, you know we're out here now, so these are going to be warnings." <laughs> but it was it was a uh, an uproar for the teachers that were like, "Oh, this is this is not good." Yeah.
0: <laughs> Yep. Oh, yeah, I, I remember those kind of those situations with teachers. So so since we're the, this is the applicant podcast, I mean, um, what was your application process like um, getting into the department?
1: So, as I mentioned, I started submitting my first application back in about 2017 uh, with a local sheriff's department. And um, I got through the PAT, the written course and I got into backgrounds. And I actually took the preliminary where they talk about how the process is and all of that to understand how it works. Um, So I was waiting to hear back from my background investigator after the interview. And I would follow up because some things were changing in my life. I had gotten divorced at that time. And I would call my background investigator to let him know, hey, this is what happened. And towards the very end, after like a year, he just told me, you know, I was working on it, but, um you know, you'll get a letter in the mail. Mm-mm. And I was thinking, <laughs> okay, well, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. So I get the letter in the mail and it was a non-select. Um, Didn't state why. It just said during the background process, I was not selected. Um, So I ended up calling the background investigator. He answered and I asked him, I was like, you know, is there anything that, you can share I know I signed on non-disclosure, but is there anything that I can improve on? And he just told me, "Well, you just need time and get more college experience." I said, OK. So that didn't stop me. I, I continued going, and midway, I applied about from the beginning to the end, I applied to maybe about 20, 28 agencies. 28? All non-select. 28. About 28. Wow. Okay. They were all non-select. They never told me why. Um, even during my uh pre-academy or during the academy. I had um one of the higher ups of a local sheriff department look into my background and obviously, you know, he can't share or divulge much, but he told me you just need time. That's all it is. That's all I can hearing. I need time, I need time, I need time. I didn't get discouraged <laughs> after mm-hmm. all those interviews. Um, the majority of my interviews were always, it seems like you're going down the right path. We'll We'll contact you. Okay. So I did feel towards the end after I graduated, because it took me about another year after graduation to get hired onto the agency that I'm at now. <laughs> I started feeling a bit discouraged after all of those uh, not selects punches to the gut that I was mm-hmm. like, well, what, what is it the way I'm interviewing? Is it really my background? You know, I didn't know what it was until the agency that I got to. They just told me they were like, you put down very truthful information that you were never in trouble for. Right.
2: Right. That, right. I kind of, I kind of, this is interesting for me.
0: Mm -hmm. I know, I know. I knew you were going to say something.
2: (laughs) It's because I, because I want to, I want to kind of dissect this because for the candidates that kind of go through similar things. So here we have since 2017 and you, what was your hire date for your current department?
1: Uh, February of this year.
2: Okay. So 2023. So in all that time, he puts out 28 applications. They're all non-select. You didn't get one DQ letter, right? They're all non-selects and this kind of, this kind of veiled type of advice is you need more time and what was the other thing mm-hmm. you need more time
1: and more college experience
2: and more college yeah. experience. So at first
0: glance, I have no clue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, 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 yeah. That, that, baffles. what I want to know is, I mean, how, how did you stay motivated?
1: Well, I've I've always been a person, if I want to be successful at something, I'm going to keep trying throughout the failures until I literally exhaust myself 100%. And I tell myself, I'm checked out. This this is it. This is not for me. I'm done. But I had uh, good mentors that were also with that same agency that I originally applied for, who actually took me on like 30 ride-alongs out of his own time. And Uh-oh. always invite me to go out there. And that's how I learned what it was really like to be a police officer. It's it's not the code three, it's not the it's not the lights and sirens, it's not the standby. We're code fiving a house, all the fun stuff. 90% paperwork, I tell you.
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 Donovan,
2: does it sound like like life experience? Cause that's like 28 times though.
0: No, no, but like he said, and, and you've talked about this, Ken, uh, and I know when you do your your um, uh, discussions with folks uh, he said he put down, uh, he was too truthful on some things that really didn't matter. And I think you found that when you do, uh, when you delve into people's backgrounds uh, and and go over them with them, you, you are like, Hey, you don't really need to divulge this. Right. I mean, is that right? Ken? Um, Yeah. You do that.
2: Yeah. You know, I just talked to someone the other day and um, I asked a question. I asked a question. This is, this is the truth. I asked a question. Um, it was like, uh, what did, you know, how many departments have you applied with? And the person told me, um, all kinds of things went over their entire life. And, and it literally, it was about 10 minutes later. And I said, why did you include all that information? And the person just kind of stood there and they were like, I don't know. But the mm-hmm. thing is, what I'm trying to say Is that a lot of times what sinks candidates and Donovan, you and I have dealt with this is um, we've sat across from candidates before and they're, they're, they're mentioning stuff it's on the PHS or they're talking to us. And I'm in my mind, I'm looking at them right in the eye. I am going, why are you telling me this? This is unnecessary, (laughs) but in their effort to be super honest, because they want to be super Mm -hmm. honest, they submarine their background because they mention stuff that's unnecessary and just kind of makes them look like, what the heck, dude, why, why did you even
0: mention that? So that's, that's what I'm thinking. Right. 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 Is that really what it came down to then Gilbert was just put way too much information out there then?
1: Yeah. So pretty much like, like I mentioned, you know, after going through all of the, um pre-courses of the application process that the agencies invite you to go to and they tell you mm-hmm. be honest i yep. ran with the be honest 100 <laughs> percent, full throttle <laughs> yep and it wasn't until uh my background investigator um looked at my packet and he's like yeah you're it's a great thing that you're very honest but <laughs>
0: <laughs> right right <laughs> You know, so you finally found a background investigator who took a little time and talked to you then? Yes. Okay. So, so when you're, when you're going through the process, um, did you ever have an idea that you'd be interested in school police or was that just a, Hey, maybe I better give that a try too to try to get in?
1: Well, when I was going through my interviewing process and they told me, you know, this may be a stepping stone for you, um, but give it a shot. And I'm a true believer in any place that gives you the opportunity to grow with them. Why not take a stab at it and run with it? Yeah. And see how far you can get, gain that experience because there's agencies out there uh, now to my knowledge that don't become SROs within a year or two. It takes a lot of time. And that's just another mm-hmm. checkoff box that you can put on your resume when you decide to leave. So
2: Gilbert, just out of curiosity, you, you know, some cops uh, that (laughs) you, you asked for advice and stuff like that. Yes. Were there any, were there any um, police officers that you spoke to that? I'm trying to say this. I'm trying to say this gingerly Donovan, (laughs) where they
0: told you, do like I do. Just don't, even, don't <laughs> hold back any punches. Just go for it. Because yeah. I know where you're going.
2: Were there any, where you're going? <laughs> any of your friends that told you, yeah, don't mention that. You don't have to say that. Anything like that?
1: They did, uh, but I had that self-conflicting, like, well, why not? This, the agency that I applied for told me to be honest. So I fought myself with that. Mm-hmm. And I have a couple of them that sit there that, um, got hired way before I did. And I'm like, what?
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is pretty common. And I, and I, and I talk about this in the podcast before, if you have friends that are cops and they tell you don't, you have to say that, you have to say that I've DQ'd people tons of times because my friend told me I, I didn't have to answer this or something like that. Don't listen to your friends, man. I'm telling everybody on the show, don't listen to your friends. They will almost always steer you wrong if anybody who you talk to says you don't have to mention that run (laughs) because that's the toothpaste you can't put back in the tube if you get caught lying like that and you're you have a weak constitution and you take advice like that the background investigators will forever hold that against you that you didn't have like it's like when you get in the field right you get in the field and a cop says, "Yeah, let's do this thing, this dirty thing." And you're like, "Oh, well, he convinced me to do it." Yeah, it doesn't work like that. So mm-hmm. don't listen to your friends because 100% they never did a background investigation.
0: Right? Don't listen to your friends, listen to Ken when you do your consultation, right? Ken, Ken, <laughs> listen to me. So as you as you're going through this the school police department process, um, and you have people, you know, people who are in law enforcement, did anyone discourage you? Because, man, when I went in to be a, an SRO, I got the kindergarten cop jokes, you know. <laughs> you know, all that kind of stuff. Oh, you're just going to play kickball all day, that kind of thing. So did you run into any of that at all, you know, when you're going through the process?
1: I did um, a couple of times. Like, oh, you're just going to be a school cop or the famous, you're not a real cop. Mm-hmm. And I don't get discouraged because at the end of the day, I know that, especially now, there is that high percentage that god forbid there may be an active shooter mm-hmm. and that itself the, the uniform to go in that takes the person behind the badge right right so right that's and, my we,
0: and we see that yeah we see that and and i think uh school police departments those school districts that actually have their own department um we need those more than ever before Mm -hmm. so do you guys have a staff of school security as well or is it just police officers
1: no we do have uh campus safety officers as well throughout our campuses okay so they help
0: you out are they assigned to the buildings then the safety officers they are okay all right all right well good so when you're when you're going through the process um, I mean, you said you had 28 applications, no disqualifications. Uh, what made this background, this last background, what made it different than the rest of them, do you think?
1: We actually uh, sat down and talked about my experiences of, of life and what I went through to jump through are the hurdles to get to where I got to talk to this background investigator. And he looked at the uh, circumstances, if you will, and was like, why aren't you a police officer yet? You have the life experience. You're, you know, you're, you're a father too. And you put yourself through the academy. That shows Mm -hmm. a big, big, you know, inspiration to wanting to be, it's not like, oh, he applied two, three times and then gave up. Right.
0: So So out of all those agencies you applied for, how many background (laughs) investigators did you actually talk to? have the meeting with uh regarding your background packet 2 to 3 2 to 3 okay mm-hmm. i think me and me and ken say this all the time that there's some good candidates that get passed up because uh background investigators are basing a lot of things on the packet and that's why that packet is so important um when you fill it out right ken
2: yeah it's like um you know you can look at a at a at a PHS the whole file and I've looked at them and, and I've seen candidates where they got DQs and I look at it and I, and I say, there's no DQ here. There's no DQ and they, and they get, they get hired later. But the thing is, is that if you do get DQ'd or non-selected, like in your case, that is a completely uh, subjective opinion based on somebody deciding, ah, we don't like this application. And it's on the PHS too. I mean, these non-selects Donovan, there's so many mm-hmm. that go and and it could be you may have gotten caught in this thing that happens, Gilbert, where you get non-selected because twenty-seven agencies non-selected
0: you. That's the reason. Yep. You ended up with lazy background investigators who are like, Yep, this is a good way just to get them out of the pile.
2: Yeah. So I mean, I encourage this is a really good this is a really good episode because when we spoke Gilbert, I was kind of finding out about you and what, you know, what we're going to talk about on the podcast. I had no clue there were 28 applications and it's so many background investigators. They, they look at 28, they're, they're number 27 and so many, so many will go, oh, screw this. You know, and like Donovan said, it's lazy, but the 28th mm-hmm. one, that's the one I tell people, all you need is one person to say yes. And the 28th, per- he's your best friend, Gilbert. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) i agree
1: (laughs) i agree
0: so was was there a time during the process you're kind of questioning yourself though because it is school police rather than
1: other than saying
0: the real police (laughs) or were you excited the whole time
1: i was excited um i knew that there's those uh personas if you will that you know like i Mm -hmm. mentioned uh Mm because my ultimate goal was uh you know Deputy sheriff, you guys can say, (laughs) you know, I I already know all the jokes, (laughs) Um, but that was, uh, that was my thing. I wanted to be a a deputy sheriff. Okay. All right.
0: And, and as you're going through all these applications, you ended up self-sponsoring through the academy. I did. So... Um, I don't know if you want to tell us which one you went through, but Ken always wants to know if it was a, <laughs> a stress Academy or if it was just, you know, sitting around eating cream puffs and taking a couple of tests.
1: Yep. <laughs> oh, I, I wish it was, uh, you know, the other way around, but no, um, I actually went to San Bernardino Valley college hardcore, the San know, County Sheriff's extended Academy. So, um, it was a part-time Academy. It was four, three to four days out of the week. Um, and I worked a full-time job. I worked at my full-time job, three different shifts. I made it work around my schedule because this was something I needed to do.
2: And, and, um, San Bernardino is through a JC, but it's put on by the sheriff's department. And, um, and from what I understand the, the, that San Bernardino college, is it six months?
1: Uh, the extended is 11 months the full time is oh. 6 months so, wow.
2: so so if you donovan this is this is this is this academy if you if you want to pay somebody you want to pay out of your own pocket to have somebody mm-hmm. volunteer to have them kick your ass for for 11 months
0: that's the one you go to <laughs> wow and pay for that's- it that is mm-hmm. hard. So you said you had to work around three shifts. Were the hours of the academy, did they fluctuate on days and times, or was it a standard set schedule for you?
1: It was a standard set schedule, uh, the first couple of months. And then once you start going into, you know, nighttime shooting, the evoc training at night, that changes and then they add an extra day on the weekend. So it's like, you know, me being a father, you got a single dad at that. Manage mm-hmm. your time with the children and work and all that. So not only the stress at home, but at this academy. Yeah. Mm. Wow. I mean, I've, I've never heard of a part-time
0: academy anywhere I've been at. It's always been full time. So listening to that, if I'd have someone come through that went through what you went through, I I, boy talk about commitment there. That's a huge commitment of part-time and then still working a full-time job. Yeah. Yeah. Do you get college credit then since you're at the junior college for the, for the academy? Yes, I did. Okay. All right. Well, that helps out then. So well, that's cool. Um. Well, well, what was your favorite part of the Academy? I always like to know.
1: <laughs> I want to say the experience of uh, getting pepper sprayed, walking through the CNCS gas and um, EVOC. It's always uh, what they tell us. It's a great time.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah. they do They do pepper spray you down there at yes. the Academy. As they okay. should. All right. Yeah. yeah. Here, you know, we, we give them a little whiff of it, and that's that's about it. <laughs>
2: smell, smell this, not too much, not too much.
0: Yeah, yeah. He I mean, wouldn't want your eyes to tear up at all. <laughs> and
2: i i went through I went through Academy a hundred years ago, but when we went through, we went through the you know those big containers, the big self storage containers. Mm-hmm. We went through those with a with the um, with the gas mask on. Then we went around and went back again with the mask off, and it was nothing but OC spray. I think at the time, that was. I'd like to say, I feel like I was hardcore by doing that. And I don't think a lot of departments do that anymore, but it wasn't fun. And, uh, you know, we had all kinds Doesn't of, that snots, sound fun? yeah. All kinds of snotsy coming out. It's just terrible. <laughs> it was crappy. Um, yep. hey, Donovan, if you don't mind, if we can take a quick break and come back to the Academy yep. experience. All right. We'll be right back.
3: Hey guys, this is Steve Gould, host of the Things Police See podcast. I want to let you know the Police Applicant Podcast, one of my favorite podcasts, is now offering additional members-only content for only $4.99 per month. The new subscribers-only content will feature additional episodes hosted by Ken, Donovan, and Minerva, early access to podcast episodes, special members-only YouTube content, and private meet and greets with the hosts and other fans. The podcast episode will still be free every two weeks. But can you believe all this extra content for only $4.99 per month? The perks are fantastic. And you'll also be supporting the valuable work our hosts provide to you. Let's face it, guys. We need people to become cops. We need these guys to guide them through it, to motivate them, to inspire them to do so. You can also support the podcast with one-time and monthly donations. The links for subscribing and donations are in the show notes in the podcast page at policebackground.net. Also, if you're interested in a podcast that concentrates on police war stories and what the men and women of law enforcement face on a day-to-day basis, please check out the Things Police See podcast on all podcast platforms or go to thingspolicec.com.
0: We are back and um, Gilbert, I just, I want to know when it comes to all the applications you had out there, when you made your decision to go to the academy, self-sponsor yourself through the academy, how many applications had you already sent out and uh, been non-selected on?
1: At that time, I want to say it was probably between 15 to 20 applications.
0: Okay, so talk us through your thought process then, as to because at that point, man, that's 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 a lot,, uh, you know, so what's your thought process then in self-sponsoring?
1: Mm-hmm. So when I got to that number, and when that background investigator told me, well, you needed you know more education as far as college education goes, I figured, okay, let me start looking into what I can do besides getting an associates or a bachelor's degree in criminal justice. I found the academy, and I said, well, how would it look if I go through this academy, graduate, makes me more uh, of a, you know, someone that's more of a, a candidate, a better candidate to be selected. So mm-hmm. that's when I decided, here we go. And I got picked up because they also do uh, pre-qualifications. They do the, it's just like any other agency they go through the same style of hiring process and when i talked to the tac officers that were doing our our preliminary backgrounds um, they also told me he goes you know you do you do have some stuff here but it's workable that's the the good thing about this and um when you graduate he made it very specific when and if you graduate right um, right <laughs> you'll be a better uh, applicant for these agencies and you're a very great candidate to be hired in any agency would benefit from having you because of your life experiences. Right.
0: So do you wish you would have done it earlier?
1: 100%.
0: Okay. All right. So you you tell anyone if they're struggling and if you can self-sponsor, that might be an option for you. If you, if you don't know why you're getting not getting selected.
1: It's a, it's a great investment in Mm -hmm. yourself because once you graduate, um, I mean, you have a basic academy post-certificate for three years. Mm-hmm. Why, why not? What's there to lose? It's, uh, it's like they say, blood, sweat, and tears. Just go after it. If it's easy to obtain, then it wasn't worth it.
3: This,
2: right. This right. is an interesting topic because I, I get calls from, from candidates all the time, and actually the ones I do consultations with where I say, you know, it's, uh, it's not looking good. It's going to be an uphill battle, that type of thing. And they say, well, what happens if I if I self sponsor and I go through the academy? And I, I'm I'm I, and, and Donovan I'm kind of torn on this because if you're a if you have a if you have a bad background and I say that, you know, not like if you have things in your background that, that are keeping you from getting hired, and they ask me, should I self sponsor? Will that if I put myself through the academy, will that help me? And it's difficult at times because you have to spend your own money. <clears throat> you um, most of the time in California, you can't work, and it really takes its toll on you and your family because um, you're putting out money and then you you're not having money come in, and it's just and there's no guarantees. So, Donovan, I mean, uh, what do you think about that? I I think it's a crapshoot depending on your background, maybe. Oh.
0: Yeah, it is because, uh, when I had my time in Wisconsin, all their academies are run out of technical colleges and you could either choose to do an AA in, um, what do they call police science mm-hmm. and end up with your certification at the end, or you can just self-sponsor through an academy and, and, and their academies, there's a large number of self-sponsored people in there. And when I was doing the hiring and they'd come through saying, Hey, you know, I completed the academy and I, you just shake your head like, well, great, but you're never going to get a job, <laughs> you know, because they were not the the candidates anyone was looking for. And that was back, you know, before COVID, before everything that went on where, you know, there were more more candidates than jobs. And we're not in this this uh, crazy market now, but you're still going to have that. I mean, even Wisconsin, they did a background on each one of the candidates, but mm-hmm. it's still not the same as what you know, police department's going to do. So I, I'm torn on it too. I mean, it is a crapshoot. I think Gilbert, you made the right decision. It worked out well for you um, because again, it's some 27. Well, I'll say 26 lazy background investigators because the first <laughs> one probably did something that, yeah, you didn't, you weren't a fit for the department and everyone else just kind of hopped on board. But um, you know, I think you made the right decision by by yourself sponsoring and getting that, that one chance from the school police department. So yeah so that's 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 good to hear that you did that.
1: So now you're currently
0: in FTO. Is that right?
1: Yes, currently in FTO on entering the shadow phase.
0: Okay, so you've got some time under your belt in FTO. <laughs> yes, and, and what's that what's that process been like? How's that been? Mm-hmm.
1: Um, <clears throat> so it's a very great learning um, experience. Um, I would like to share to say. You know, you are going to be critiqued, but it's for a reason. And don't take it to heart when you're being critiqued. It's for you to get home at the end of the day. 100%. Um, got It's a lot of good times, a lot of great learning experiences, because the academy teaches you the basic in a controlled environment. And once you hit the streets, there's no control besides what you are doing and how you lead that potential investigation or uh, traffic stop, which we all know traffic stops are, can be deadly. hmm
0: mm-hmm. So what do you find is, uh, has been the most challenging thing for you in FTO? What's the, the to really kind of get a good grasp of through the process? I would,
1: I would say um, report writing. Okay. Report writing, 100%. Um because of the fact of there's many different styles of report writing i learned one way and the department that i'm currently at doesn't particularly write that way but um it's just a learning process that's what it is yeah. and if i can make a suggestion to anyone who's going to enter um the FTO process even at the academy phase spend time practicing your report writing spend time spend a lot of time the tactics and all that other cool, great things that we do that, that comes with time and experience. But report writing is one thing that can weed you out of the FTO process fast.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's what we find that that's a big thing uh, in our area is the report writing. So, and it has to be difficult. Cause uh, did you have report writing in the Academy?
1: I did. Um, mm-hmm. and the way we learned, um, it's, it was a very specific way, but the uh, instructors who have taught us haven't necessarily uh, written reports for some time and they go off of what uh, Post has on their learning domains. So bullet point style. Mm-hmm. And you know then they leave it up to the FTOs that you'd get assigned to teach you the flow, the structure, how to word it, It's too wordy, The fluff.
0: (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, anyone who's been in high school or, or college and I, you know, that's one subject I teach at the academy is report writing. And I have to remind everyone that, hey, you know, when you're in high school or in college, you'd be given an assignment to write something and it needs to be this many words. Mm hmm. So it's kind of ingrained in us that hey, we've got to add some some fluff words, some fillers in there that that aren't needed and it's it's a difficult process to to knock that extra stuff out because we've been it's been ingrained in us to do that.
2: Gilbert, I uh I got, <laughs> I got out of the academy and I went my first my first couple of weeks on patrol they taught us a format like the beginning you, you know, we were working unit seven, something, blah, blah, blah. Uniform patrol in a black and white police vehicle, blah, 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 blah. And my, my training officers, one of the first things out of the gate, they go, where'd you learn this? I go, this is what they tossed in the academy. And they go, that, that's a stupid, that's just so stupid. And they <laughs> tore it up. And I'm like, but that's what they taught me to do, report writing. And yeah, mm-hmm. that didn't work out. <laughs> so- yep. yeah,
0: yeah. So how I, how, how I handle it, Gilbert, is, is I actually, you know, they... They get their assignments. Uh, our recruits have videos to watch, and then they have to write a report on the video. And I don't give any feedback. I tell them, since the, everyone is sponsored, we don't have a uh, you know self-sponsored uh, portion here in Washington. Everyone is actually hired by an agency. They have to just submit their report to me via email, so I know they've done it. But they also include their agency rep, and it's on their agency to give the feedback because, you know, the number of agencies that are involved in the state of Washington. I don't know everyone, every which way people write their reports. So they get to give their own feedback. So then there you wouldn't have that kind of, you know, uh, style uh, issue when you come out of the academy then. And and I think it works out really well for us. But again, we're not self-sponsored, so we don't have to worry about, you know, getting into the nitty gritty. We just teach them the basics and then let the departments handle the rest. Yeah, and when it comes to when it comes to FTO, believe it or not,
2: report writing mm-hmm. can get you cut loose off FTO mm-hmm. uh, for some agencies, and um, mm-hmm. it happens more often than people think. People think, oh, tactics, blah blah blah, whatever, whatever. No, it's because because they can't write a report, and I've had people, the department say, um, like LEPD would would have requirements if you fail this certain thing. You have to do this certain thing, and one of them was a requirement that that uh, recruits who didn't finish the academy because of report writing that they have to show proof that they've taken college classes and completed past uh, English or whatever it is, composition, whatever it is in college before they could even be hired again, uh, mm-hmm. because it could be as simple as just go take a just go take a, ca- a class on report writing, right
0: yep so uh after your very first report get it done you're probably proud of it get it back from your FTO what the paper look like
1: <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> and and like I like I mentioned earlier you know we're a very small department so my FTO is actually now currently um I have now a different FTO but when I first started it was my sergeant who has like 25 years on hmm a sergeant yeah. as an FTO hmm <laughs> Oh yeah, and he's uh, he's been in the game, has a lot of experience, and he was like, "What is this? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, why?" And yep, yeah, it was a it was a learning experience to understand the flavor to the sauce of how it was supposed to be done.
2: The flavor yep. to the sauce. I like that flavor like to the it. sauce. I'm stealing that. I'm going to say know, I made it up.
0: <laughs> when, when i got hired and i had to start writing my reports literally i wrote my reports like ken you probably did the same thing pen and paper rather than the computer stuff yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and <laughs> and when i got mine back i thought i had this great written report and there was more red you couldn't see anything i wrote red the fto just ink. i mean basically covered it all up
2: <laughs> or the watch commander you get it back and and back in the day gilbert what donovan's talking about we would write in the pencil or was it pen mm-hmm. I can't remember. I did pen. I had to do black pen. I can't remember, <laughs> but you'd write the whole report, and when you, it's not like oh, take this out and you go and highlight it, and pff, it comes off the word. It wasn't like that. It was an actual handwritten report, and 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 it's usually when they redline your report, it's at the top. You can't. Mm-hmm. You can't. You have to do the whole thing. It could be multiple <laughs>
0: pages. Ah, <gosh. laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So I mean. Got a little easier now, at least, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so now you're, you're coming up to your shadow phase. Um, I'm assuming school is getting close to coming to an end now, right now, or if they have not finished out the year.
1: We just completed doing our uh, graduations this week. So okay. those were long. And we work Monday through Friday. That's one of the great things about uh, school police where I'm at. Mm-hmm. Um. So we had five days of very long shit. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. So, so you're coming up to the shadow phase. Now it looks like you timed it out perfectly so that there's no kids in school when you're doing your shadow phase, right?
1: (laughs) Yes. Yeah.
0: Good job.
1: (laughs) Excluding the the summer school. So we'll see how that goes.
0: (laughs) Well, summer school, that's kind of the rougher kids, isn't it?
1: (laughs) Yeah. I I already saw the crowd of who's going. So
0: Mm -hmm. might be a little (laughs) more intense than the regular school year, right?
2: No, <laughs>
1: oh,
0: <yeah>. for sure. <laughs> <laughs> How long is your shadow phase then?
1: Um, I'm assuming I, I've been I've kind of been hearing from my current FTO, it's probably gonna be maybe about two weeks, if that.
0: Okay. That's not bad. All right. Yeah, that's not bad at all. Have you talked to others uh at police departments and stuff that have gone through FTO? Are there any differences between a school? police department and like a municipality or sheriff's department?
1: Yes, there is because a lot of the things that a regular municipality or sheriff's department that they get exposed to, we necessarily won't. So we have to get creative. There's different ways of going through that type of exposure and whatever the topic may be. Um, the really cool thing is with us, because we work with several different cities, we do mutual aids. On a lot of things so typically when it's around the schools we won't gonna go, we won't go out where it's too far out but if they need us we go
0: okay all right because i remember in my FTO, i mean we had to have a certain number of uh domestic violence calls a certain number of duis that kind of thing is there something like that similar for uh what you went through in your FTO with the school police
1: uh there is
0: is it, I mean, is it different? I mean, are there differing things that more focus towards the school that you have to do a certain number of contacts regarding?
1: Yes. Yeah, so you'll have, you know, your your basic, like um, your, your batteries, your uh, drug calls that you have to go to, paraphernalia's. Um, I've had a couple of indecent exposures um, and I won't go into detail what those were. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of it is focused on mental health right now. Um okay. post covid a lot of the kids are still having issues trying to readjust to normal life. So I've had a lot of uh 5150s technically 5585s. Okay. 5150s right,
2: so. being mental either mentally right. ill or something like that calls um right. hey Donovan I want to get into a couple of topics here that I think are hot button topics but I think there'll be good conversation because I know Donovan will have an opinion. Gilbert, you jump in if you feel comfortable in jumping in, but I just, I just feel like I, I I think this is an important thing to talk about. In fact, this is going to be a bunch of stuff because I'm, I'm, my mind is going about 200 miles an hour right now. (laughs) You've got recently, you've got Uvalde, uh, for anybody that doesn't know Uvalde Texas correct um, mm-hmm. where a gunman went in there and killed 20 something students at an ele- elementary school and teachers um you've got training for such an event as this um recently within the last week in in Glendale California which is a small community uh, near Los Angeles there were protests over um the curriculums or the the things that they're teaching in the elementary schools uh, during pride month. And a bunch of parents got into it with, um, with the the gay pride pro counter protesters and the school police were right in the middle. It wasn't just this line where people go, Oh, the police are here. No, these people were going through the police line to beat up these other people and the the school police were right on it. And, and that's, that's one thing with the training and all that, but the big deal for me, Donovan and Gilbert is not only Uvalde, but Marjorie Stoneman um, in Florida, where the guy went in and shot up the school, killed a bunch of students. And there's a school, the school resource officer was on his, on his retirement tour, pre-retirement tour. And this happened five years ago. And he's now on trial because he didn't take action. And the way they're getting him is child neglect, child abuse or something like that. Cause the Supreme court in 2015 said police officers have no constitutional duty to protect anybody. The Supreme court said, you don't, you, if someone's getting killed, you have no constitutional duty to protect that person, but they're getting him Mm -hmm. on some kind of child abuse. So all those things I'm throwing out, Gilbert, you're a school police officer. And like I said before, I don't want you to, to speak about something that you feel uncomfortable about speaking about. But Donovan, you and I, you were a school resource officer. And here we have, mm-hmm. again, Uvalde. Where they, the big thing with Uvalde was they kind of just were outside and the gunman was killing people, students, and the police were out there. Marjorie Stoneman, this one guy, this one SRO, I kind of get the feeling that maybe he didn't take action and maybe people died, but I'm going to throw that out there because I have my, I have my druthers about that Marjorie Stoneman thing where that you're assigned to a school, you take training in case there's an active shooter on your school and yet you don't take action. I mean, how, what do you, I'll open it up to Donovan. I,
0: well, I mean, first you gotta look at, like you said, he was on his retirement tour Everyone thinks going into the schools is going to be a cakewalk. There's nothing really to do. You got to deal with a bunch of bratty kids. Um, You're going to find too now, like in Washington. Now, um, if you've been following the new house bills, we have. uh, If you have a a person under the age of 18 that you need to do an interrogation on, uh, they have to they have to be uh, given the opportunity to call a public defender before answering any questions, no obligation to call the parents, but you have to get them a public defender on the phone before they answer any questions. So, uh, Gilbert, if you think about your job, it'd be pretty easy about then, huh? If you have to do an interrogation and got to call public defender, we know what the public defender is going to do. So, (laughs) so it's, it's, it's getting a little, you know, for school up here, it's, it's a, you know, a little different. But um, we also have the the problem, uh, and I know this is around the country. There's just officers; they have school resource officer programs at their departments. No one wants to do it, so now you're forcing people into those positions. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know, are we getting the right people? Um, Where, like I said at the beginning, it's I love to see that school districts have their own police departments because you're getting people who they know what they're getting into. They want to be there. Um, it, it, take Givaldi out of it the, the whole situation there, I don't want to get in depth on that, but um, you know, for the most part you have the school districts, you know, the, with the police departments, they're there, they know what they're getting into Gilbert. I, I, I really want to know how much uh, active shooter training you've had um, since you've been at the department, even in FTO, has there been quite a bit or has there been talk of it or how's that go with the department?
1: There's been a uh, talk of it. We have the, green light from our administration if there's an active shooter we're all going in everybody's mm-hmm. going in we're not we're not gonna stand by Nope. we're going in those those are lives in danger those are kids staff anybody that's in that school we're going in there we're gonna uh, stop the threat mm-hmm. point period um i'm signed up for active shooter training here coming up in the bottom month okay
0: all right. Do they use a, a specified uh, national program, do you know, or is, do they use like alert or um, the does your school district have a
1: their own little system they use? Uh, we use our own system um, okay. when it comes to active shooter training for uh, the schooling for mm-hmm. their their policies and things like that of what teachers are supposed to do when, the, when a lockdown occurs and what our job is after the fact.
0: OK. All right. Yeah, it's always interesting. And, you know, uh, when I was an SRO, I had to go into the schools and actually do the active shooter training for the teachers. And, man, you you get a whole mix of responses because some of them are like, I don't want to hear this. This is too triggering for me. Um, Mm -hmm. I need to talk to someone now uh, all the way down to. Uh, those that are really into it. So um, have you noticed anything with your school district with staff? Are they really uh, eager to learn about what to do in those situations? Or do you see the same kind
1: of differing opinions on it? Um, my corporal is the one that goes and does the active of training for the schools. And what he shared with me is there's a lot of questions pertaining from the principals of, well, all the what ifs, right? Mm-hmm. what if this happens what if this happens and he always tells them whatever your school policy is that's what you need to follow on top of what this active training we are giving you as a guideline thereon on after when we arrive that's what we mm-hmm. do to go from there so there's right. there's always those those what if questions but it's go back to your policy follow it and look at the training that we give you mm-hmm.
2: And uh, Donovan, there's another stupid thing that happened around 2020, 2021 (laughs) is the LAUSD, Los Angeles Unified School District, one of the biggest school districts in the nation. They went ahead and defunded the Los Angeles school police. And in 2020, between 2021 and 2023, there's been three, at least three that I remember, three school shootings, mass shootings around the country. There's Uvalde, uh, there's... um, Uh, Nashville. I thought there was one more, but um, at any rate, they went ahead and I'm like, How's that defunding the school police working for you guys? How's that working? Um, and um, another thing is that uh, there's videos after videos after videos all over the place where students are freaking violent, Mm -hmm. they have no problem attacking their teachers and things like that. Um, and so this, you know, what used to be officer friendly in the schools, you know, many years ago, Dare, the Dare officers. I don't remember that, Donovan. They're like Don't Don't laugh at DARE officers. <laughs> I am a DARE officer, all right? Well back in the day it was like it was like officer friendly in the schools. Mm-hmm, yeah. But now it's actually you go into a school and these kids are pretty violent. I'm not sure that I would hang in there as a school police officer because I would probably get pretty upset with just the students, and they're arrogant and they don't care mm-hmm. and, um, and they're violent. So, yeah. um, you know, that thing going back to Marjorie Stoneman, where the officer did not respond, I mean, it's it can go from school shooting to just violent kids, and mm-hmm. I, I don't think school resource officer is the same as what i remember
0: back in the day it's not and i think that's where you know marjorie stoneman came into play is again it was someone who was looking at retiring down the road this was an easy gig uh like gilbert said monday through friday holidays off uh you know you get all the cake all the cake stuff with that you know so you're just kind of preparing for retirement for some people so that's what i always go back to i think school district police departments are so important because you know, they're not going there for retirement. You know, they're going there for the right reasons, mm-hmm. but then you talking about, you know, uh, uh, how violent it's getting in school. I just want to know from Gilbert, do you have any war stories from FTO that you might want to share, um, regarding some things like that? If you can't, I understand that.
1: So there've been, um, some calls for service that I've responded to. Um, nothing too too uh, wild but when i go and talk to these individuals these students um juveniles that a lot of (laughs) agencies are like oh i'm not gonna deal with that juveniles Uh um they some of them um really give me these looks like they want to fight me like if i'm the one that i that i like i'm their (laughs) enemy right now and Uh it's just mind-boggling how these kids have this persona of I'm indestructible. I remember being a kid too and feeling that way until reality hit me in the other face. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, some of these kids, when they get into fights, boy, they get in, they fight like a zoo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's it's, do- it's, it's wild. <laughs> <laughs> it's like if I'm watching UFC.
0: Yeah, right. Yep. Yep. And, but then on on the flip side of that when you have those fights, um do you find that every once in a while then uh some parents are going to come over and handle the problem and mm-hmm. and not handle the problem in a positive way. They're going to oh, go yeah. take care of the other student who just beat up their kid.
1: Yep. I've had to go respond to calls at a, at a <clears throat> neighboring park for two parents going at it with each other or the parent and the student and it's like here we go.
0: Mhm. Yeah.
1: Because, it's, you know, my little Johnny didn't do it.
0: <laughs> yep. It's a completely different world. And man, working in the schools, that's why, again, school resource officers, school district police, and the teachers, I give every one of them a cre- all the credit in the world to be working in the schools now because it's a it's a different place. You know, yeah. I just, I came back from Costa Rica a couple of weeks ago, and every one of the schools I drove by, they had fence all the way up around it, and they had barbed wire on the top. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, and I would talk to the, the the locals and I'm like, yeah, that's just the way we do it. But, you know, boy, if we did that something around here, like that around here, holy mackerel, you know?
2: <laughs> yeah. And how many times have you guys talked to a juvenile, a little, little snot-nosed kid, and you tell that you give them an order, a lawful order as a police mm-hmm. officer, and they go, you can't do anything to me. I'm a juvenile. Like, oh, mm-hmm. shut up, man. Shut up. I'm a juvenile. <laughs> the dumbest thing Or.
0: Ever. Or my mom said I don't have to. Or my mom said, <laughs>
2: "Yeah, the, 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 it's what they see on TikTok now, that kind of mm-hmm. guides everybody." And every video you see, I don't have to talk to you. What's the reason you're stopping me? I'm not going to talk to you. I'm not going to. And they start walking. Whatever. You know, it's like mm-hmm. uh, you're 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 fighting with what these kids see on videos. YouTube yep. or TikTok or whatever. And it's, uh, it's, it can be quite distressing. One thing that Gilbert brought up that reminded me of how much I hated arresting <laughs> juveniles <laughs> was there, when you arrest a juvenile, there's like 5,000 questionnaires that you have to have mm-hmm. just a juvenile arrest, a, a, an adult arrest. You do the arrest report, you book them see i'm back Mm -hmm. on patrol Mm -hmm. not so with juveniles not so gilbert there's got there's like this mountain of paperwork that you have to fill out is that still correct
1: yes it is (laughs) um so like you mentioned adults take them book them but go back to patrol juveniles take them to the booking fill out all those forms they got to talk to an attorney you give them their rights and then you have to cite the parent Man. Oh, oh. There you go. And then, oh,
2: they go. is it? Do they still have that Gladys R form? Is that something that's still? That was mm-hmm. a pain. Do you know
1: them. the difference from right and wrong? Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, just this coddling—it's wow. just ridiculous, mm-hmm. man. I hate it it's so bad. I still hate it. This is yep. years later.
0: Well, man. like like I said up here in Washington, it, attorney comes right away. You can't ask any questions. They can't. They have no comprehensive understanding what their rights are. Is that until they've spoken to an attorney? So in Washington,
2: you do not read their Miranda rights. Not until you
0: have the attorney on the phone. And where does this attorney come from? It's public defender's office. So they have to have uh, someone on call 24 hours a day, your local public defender's office. So we have the number posted and you arrest a juvenile. You've got to call that number and get that public defender on the phone. So it's like a
2: speakerphone. You're there, the kids there, and can you listen in on a
0: conversation with an attorney? <laughs> oh, you're talking now, yeah, and without even the parents. Yeah, no, parents have no say. Parents have no say in that whatsoever. They can't waive rights. They can't. They can't do anything with the rights. It's you have to contact the public defender. Wow. Yeah, it's 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 interesting up here. It's interesting. Is anything it like makes that? The job fun.
2: Is it anything like that in California, Gilbert?
1: Yes. So to the point when they get booked, um, obviously you have to keep them separate from the adults. They have to have their own warm, cozy little cot (laughs) and a peanut butter and jelly sandwich to go with it. (laughs) They um, get that phone call to the attorney. The attorney advises them, you know, don't talk to the police and so on and so forth. And then they give me back the phone and they're like, okay, read them his rights. Then off they go. The interesting part about that is, is, um, you know, we, we have to cite the, uh, parent as well as, um, holding mm-hmm. them accountable to take them to the delinquency court yeah. and citing the parent is always not a great <laughs> mm-hmm. thing to be part of. Cause then the parent gets all wild after dealing with. The child that was wild. And if the if the mm-hmm. parents an a-hole, then you
2: gotta deal with that. And um, oh, yeah. they only hold the they only hold the, the parents accountable until the juvenile becomes an adult and then the DAs just release them anyways, so there's no accountability no matter mm-hmm. what. Don't get me started sure. on that.
0: So. Yep. Yep. Good stuff. Well, it's been a lot of fun, Gilbert. I just I want to find out. Do you got any words of wisdoms? Any words of wisdom for anyone that's uh, out there struggling like like you were?
1: So what I would say and I would encourage is uh, don't lose hope. Keep at it. This is something you really want to do. You know, do everything possible that you can. Exhaust all your resources, um, you know, and just make sure that you educate yourself. Because this is a growing, growing a uh, job that never there's there's no stopping and learning i always hear it all the time you don't become a well-rounded police officer between your first couple of years it's usually five to seven to know okay this is i, I know what i'm i'm doing and then even then there's more learning so just keep learning and don't give up one place tells yeah. you no keep trying yeah prove
0: that right you just <laughs> kept going at it which is is impressive yeah. I'll, I'll give you one opportunity now too, because, you know, everyone makes fun of the school police departments. You got any selling points for the school going to the school's police departments?
1: Anybody that wants to have a, a, a banker schedule, if you will, <laughs> <laughs> and enjoy the, the holidays off.
0: Yep. Yep. There's good times though, aren't there?
1: Oh yes. Um, You know, going to elementary schools, you know, the, playing kickball, things that normal municipalities that, you know, don't
3: get to do. You know,
1: I've played basketball a couple of times. I'm not Uh going to lie to you. And I don't remember seeing that when I was growing up. You know, we'll get the speeches, but never the officer to come hang out, even sit down and talk to you, you know, about how classes are going, you know, things like that that's the more empowering thing because you don't really get to see that with municipalities. They're busy. They're out there right. hooking and booking. Yep. Yep. And I was going to ask, I was going to get in the little, so
0: how many games of kickball have you played <laughs> and have you perfected it? <laughs> Cause I ain't going to lie. I played, if I had time, I played kickball with the kids. Why not? It was, it's mm-hmm. fun. It's, it's a good way to build those relationships. I've, I've shot some hoops, be a, being at the high school, most of them were better than me, so I tried not to do that. I mean, kickball it was a level playing field, but um, you know, I, I got out there, and a lot of school resource officers do. So, um, I think there's a lot of benefit to working for a school district police department. So, um, this is this has been fun. Can you got any uh, other questions for Gilbert?
2: Yeah, just in closing, I want to I want to find out from you, Gilbert. What what kept you going?
1: My children did. My children, I uh, wanted to set an example of if you put your mind to what you want to achieve, and you go for it and you work hard, you can achieve it. The old factor of, or the old saying of, if you have a dream, why not chase it, go after it? Mm-hmm. That was my dream, and I'm living it now. So I'm I'm very impressed b- about your tenacity.
2: Um, mm-hmm. And so anybody is listening to this podcast. Don't come to me unless you got 28 applications out there. (laughs) Do not come to me because I'm going to laugh at you. I'm just saying that um, 28 applications, man, 28, and you didn't quit because you knew, Mm -hmm. you knew, and I've said this before, something in your heart told you you were called to do this. And Mm -hmm. so you said, I'm not giving up where I've talked to people all the time. They go, yeah, I've had this many blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you're the only one that can call it. You're the only one that can say. I'm, and if you still feel that calling, and right, twenty-seven said no. All you need mm-hmm. is that twenty-eighth one to say yes. I'm very. I'm always impressed by that. We've got some some episodes where people just kept going and kept going, and finally they got the call. And so that is really cool. Yeah.
0: We need to come up with a wall of determination and put those candidates. Yeah. You know those those folks up there. You know that have just not given up because. Again, I hear this with Gilbert, and there's a couple others that man, it's it's incredible. Um, I feel fortunate I didn't have to do that. So, again, uh, hats off to you, Gilbert. That's that's incredible. Yeah, that's really cool. Thank you.
2: Very, very impressed. Um, well, with that, Donovan, I think this was a good episode. Another good episode, Gilbert. Yeah. God bless you, man. The schools are are hot hot zones right now. It's bad enough with the unruly kids, the teachers quitting because the students are out of control. They're violent. You've got protests going on, and you guys uh, in the school district police are the thin blue line um, in those schools. Mm -hmm. And and heaven forbid uh, an active shooter comes up, because you definitely um, have to have that training kick in to protect those. Man, Donovan, Mm -hmm. I just like it. Just like just the thought just occurred to me if there was if I got a call if Ozzy's out there. At 7 Eleven and some call came in that there was an active shooter at a school. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I would do, man. I don't know. That's probably like the most scariest thing. Cause we've been yeah. to shooting in progress, victims down, someone's head blown off, whatever. We've we've gone to those calls, but it's like a one shot, right? And the right. person's in the right. street Suspects there, suspects not there. You confront the suspect, suspect's gone. This is not the same with sc- with school police. I got to hand it to you, Gilbert. Mm-hmm. That's 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 heavy stuff, man. God bless yep. you, brother. God bless you. Yep. Thanks, and man. just
1: do us one favor
0: when you when you actually finish your shadow phase, can you just shoot us an email so that that we know that you you made it through?
1: Definitely. I'll keep in touch. All right.
0: All right. Yeah. We appreciate it.
2: All right. That is it. We're going to be back in. Couple of weeks. Thanks for listening to the Police Applicant
0: Podcast. We are the premier police background prep site in the U.S. and Canada. For more information on scheduling your
2: police background consultation, go to policebackground.net.
3: Also, please leave us a review on iTunes.